All right. Well, it's good to be back this morning. Uh, we're doing this thing for, is this the fourth time? I think it's fourth, fourth time in a row. We're all, we've all, well, most of us have been together anyway. And, uh, you know, every, every, uh, every time I go and do something like the uh, all church retreat, I figure out that there is a, there is a, a good tired and uh, there, there, there's a bad tired. And right now I'm in the good tired spot. Uh, man, it's been a great week. I, I feel like we've all been running uh, a, a thousand uh, just wide open. And, uh, but God, how many of you understand God's been really, really good to us this week? Yeah. Amen. God's been good to us this week. Man, God has done so. And listen, it really has been an honor for me to be a part of this thing and just be here with you guys. I want to say, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Man, don't. I'll text my wife just a few minutes ago, and, and I mean this, there is, <clears throat> there's something really special about this place. And it ain't like this everywhere. It ain't like this all over the country. It, it, ain't, it ain't like this in Dallas, Georgia. And I want you to know that, that God's blessed you and make sure that you don't take that for granted. Make sure that you don't squander the good thing that God's give you. And, 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 and a lot of times we miss what's right in front of our eyes looking for something bigger and better. We, we miss the best things looking for something better. And, and I want you to know, God's give you a place and, and, and man, it has blessed my soul. This morning singing's blessed my soul. Just you being here and, and being ready and man, they... Everybody in the room, you're, you're just locked in. And I, I just, I, I, I won't say I appreciate it. Um, we're going to be in 1 Kings this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Kings, chapter number, uh, majority will be in 16, 17, and 18. Uh, it, it, but we're, we'll, we're going to start there in, in verse number 16. And I, I believe we've got most of the verses on the screen. I want to tell you, uh, I, I got to get through this this morning to make sure that the first service they say you got to quit at a certain time. The second service, they say you can do whatever you want to around here. So, uh, so the second service, we may get wild. I ain't sure yet. But, um, but for the first service, we're going we're gonna to keep it in a, in a certain allotted amount of time. Uh, but, but uh, you, you know, there's, there's I, I live, I don't live in the city. You can probably listen to my voice and tell I, I'm not much of a city boy. And... Um, I, I kind of live out in the woods. I live out in the middle of nowhere. And um, I, I'm, my church is in Rockmart, but I live in a little town. I mean, my church is in Dallas, but I live in a little town called Rockmart, Georgia. And uh, you're probably thinking, yeah, I, that sounds like the woods. And I, I, I agree. We, we have in Rockmart, we don't have people. We have rock Martians. That's what we call them. We call them, uh, if you live in Rockmart, you're a rock Martian. I moved there, so I'm technically not a rock Martian. I'm from Dallas, so... Uh, so I get a pass on most of the goofy stuff that the Rock Martians do. Uh, but, but in my little town, there is, there is this phenomenon that goes on. And every single Friday night, uh, we, we've got Mexican restaurants. And there's certain Mexican restaurants that certain people go to every single Friday night. And you don't ever have to wonder where you're going to be able to find those certain people. There's another group of people. We got this place down the road. It's called the Pizza Farm. Uh, the pizza's terrible, but everything else is pretty good. Now, 
Now, now what, what's really ironic about the pizza farm, this is where, this is where the, the not old people go, this is where the older group of people go. All right, they've been doing this for the last 40 years of their life. And if you want to find them on a Friday night, it, y'all know them people that eat at three and, and four and five o'clock? Anybody know them people? You probably don't know them people. But there's people that eat at 3.30 and 4.30 and 5 o'clock. Now, that's, that's weird, I understand. But, uh, but there is people that do it. And you can find a lot of older people there on, on Friday night at the pizza farm. And then there's this other group, and that's the group that I fall in. And they can't make a decision to make their, uh, for, to, for, on their life to figure out where they're going to go eat. It's majority, majority of it is my wife's problem. <laughs> we get in the car, and listen, there's really only two or three places. There's one other place called Steakhouse, and that's my favorite. Uh, but, but there's only, uh, yeah, and, and they serve steak at the Steakhouse. I know Rock Mart's a really weird place, ain't it? We get in the car, and, and there's not many choices. Zaxby's, and, and y'all don't know nothing about Zaxby's. Y'all got the Raising Canes around here, but Zaxby's, and ain't nobody going there. Not on Friday night, anyway. And I get in the car, and we're like, where are we going? She says, I don't know. Where are we going? Well, there's only just a couple choices. Where are we going to go to? I, she already knows where I, we'll go wherever you want to go. And I'd say where I want to go. I don't really want to go there. Well, why don't you just say where you want to go? I don't know where I want to go, but I know I don't want to go where you want to go. (laughs) Well, well, so do you just want me to drive and pick somewhere? Just drive and pick somewhere. And nine times out of ten, she's fine with it. Now, every now and then, she's like, no, I don't want to go here. And we get in the parking lot. She says, oh, I don't want to go here. I can't believe you chose to go here. You should know better than to take me here. (laughs) Now, today's Father's Day, and it don't matter what she thinks today, because I get to choose, and, 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 and it just don't matter. She said, you're going to drive all, so I live like 12 hours from here. She's like, we're going to drive all the way home tonight. And I said, it's Father's Day. I'm going to get a hotel room and I'm going to sleep a little bit and I'm going to get up and drive. No, you're driving all the way. So, so I, evidently I don't get to make all the decisions today. But you know what I found out? Indecision affects every single person in this room at some point in their life. Some of us, it's in a lot of areas of life, and we're so indecisive that we're just crippled by our indecisions. Some, it's just little certain things. Like, I'm pretty decisive on a lot of things, and then there's a few things that I can be really indecisive on. But indecision is most definitely a handicap. One thing that I've realized in in a lot of us, if, if it's not killed, Indecision will cause us to be, uh, to, to be stifled in the area of serving Jesus Christ or not. First Kings chapter number 17, there's a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah's God's man, Elijah's God's prophet, and he's speaking on God's behalf. He proclaims that there's going to be a drought and that God would shut up the heavens. And, and, and the reason that he does this is because of Israel's idolatry and their rebellion to God's word. So, so the chapter before us in, 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 in chapter 16, it gives us a little bit of insight on what had been maybe the final straw for the Lord that caused Elijah to rise up in 1 Kings 17.1 to say there is going to be no more rain. 
Now look with me in verse number 29. The Bible said in the 30 and 8 year of, uh, year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and 2 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if, uh, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, the, uh, that, he took the, uh, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidotians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So Ahab is a really wicked man. And the Bible makes it very plain that, that he does a lot to provoke the Lord to anger. More than all the other kings before him. I mean, he, he gets with Jezebel. He does his thing. And here's what happened. Jezebel helps plunge him into a greater depth of depravity. And, and, and in the process of this whole thing, Israel doesn't buck on Ahab. Israel doesn't buck on Jezebel. What happens? Israel falls in line. And so God sends Elijah to the people of Israel to help to bring them to a place of repentance. Now, believe it or not, I, I, you, you may say, well, that don't sound like bringing, that don't sound like help, but believe it or not, we as parents in this room help our kids when they stray. We help them come to a place of repentance through a process of discipline, through a process of consequences, and according to their actions, they receive the consequences. Now, I want to say this. You'll never be more like God. You'll never be more like God than when we, than when we are disciplining our kids to bring them to a place and help them get them to a place of repentance. Now, cutting off the water supply, that don't really sound like, like help, but it's funny with God. That the disciplinary acts that God brings into our lives are actually, now, now, now they're actually acts of mercy on God's part. They're acts of mercy to give me a place or a space to repent. How many of you understand that God don't have to do that? That God could have let Israel go to themselves and suffer the consequences for going to themselves. But how many of you also understand this? That more times than not, God is more willing. God is, God is way more willing to give us mercy than we are to repent. So God says, in, in, in other words, God's saying, uh, because of your rebellion, it isn't going to rain for the space of, uh, uh, of some three years. Now, this is going to be a problem because it's going to cripple them physically. It's going to cripple them financially. And Elijah, he, he, he comes on the scene for whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, now we, we, we have this time period to where it hadn't rained, and then God does a lot for Elijah in this time period that it has not rained. Elijah is sent to the brook Cherith until that brook dries up, and then he goes to Zarephath, and a woman feeds him there uh, with a barrel that doesn't run dry, a cruise of oil that doesn't run dry. And, and, and then out of nowhere, God decides that the people are ready ready to see God work, and they're ready to see a showdown between God and, and the prophets of Baal. 
And so what happens? First Kings chapter 18 and verse 1, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Now verse number 20, it says, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Carmel and Elijah came unto the people and said, now, now this is going to be kind of the launching point for where we're going to go this morning. He came unto the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then followed him. And you ready for, for some of the scariest words in the Bible? And the people answered him, not a word. And the people answered him, not a word. This is where Elijah's at with the people. That There's this common theme wrapped up in the Bible in terms of discipleship. And I believe it's wrapped up in man's ability to say yes to God and a hard no to the world. You see, you've got to stand somewhere. You've got to stand somewhere. You, you, you'll never land where these people landed. And this is where Elijah's at. How long are you going to halt between these two opinions? How long are you going to halt between these two opinions? Notice, they're not fully committed to either side. They're undecided in, where, in who they're going to follow. They're undecided if they're going to follow God. They're undecided if they're going to follow Baal. So at the core of what we're looking at this morning, there's a group that are undecided, you ready, about who they're going to worship. You understand that is at the core of nearly all of our life's issues is who are we going to worship or who are we deeming worthy of our worship. Exodus tells us that we shall have no other gods before us. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto thy, uh, they take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. You see, it's really important when me and you get down to understanding who, who our worship belongs to, that it's not just us that it's affecting. It's everybody in our homes. Man, this is Father's Day, and I, I kind of forgot it was Father's Day too. But you realize that my decision to decide who my family is going to worship directly impacts my kids and who they're going to worship. And if I let my children marry the children of the world and they offer them and they offer sacrifices unto the Lord, guess what they've done? They've gone whoring after other gods. This is where the children of Israel are. When we, when we worship something else, we are saying that it's worthy to be worshipped. It's worthy to be glorified. It's worthy for me to give my life to it. You see, it don't have to be a golden calf at the foot of a mountain. But every person in this room will struggle 
and wrestle with idol worship. But if God is God, then follow him. If God is God, then let's follow God. I noticed something in the text that I thought was rather important. I think we need to point out. Now, I want you to look. There's, there's three things here before we get to exactly where we want to be. Worship, the worship of these other gods was connected to what was popular. The worship of these other gods was connected to what was popular in that day. No, it, it was popular to be a part of the Baal worship. And so this is a religion that operates under the desire to, to fit in and to be like everybody else. This is Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, they led the way, and guess what happened? Everybody just falls in line behind them. Nobody wanted to be the person that stood up. Nobody wanted to be the person that stood out, and that's why God had to have a man by the name of Elijah to do what he did because the people around him wouldn't stand up. What did they do? They went along to get along. I know it's 20, what is it, 2023 still? And you can't even tell anymore. They all run together nowadays. You don't, you don't even know what world you're living in half the time. Like sometimes I wake up and I think I'm in an alternate universe. Like, but you know what I found? That people will forsake God to keep from causing the ripple in the water of their own life. They'll, 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 they'll forsake their conviction because somebody, it, it could possibly be offensive and it's not popular and you're going to be weird and you're going to be, they're going to look at you a little bit crazy if you do that. And then I've noticed that there's, that the worship of other gods is connected to what's acceptable. This is the religion that lets you do whatever you want to do. It'll seduce you into believing that you can be whoever you want to be. You can, you, you can do whatever you want to do. And, and, and here it is. You can, it, it, within the confines, you, you can build your own grove and you can do your own things in your own grove and nobody gets to tell you what to do because everything when you're worshiping these gods is acceptable. And then I've I, I seen that there, the worship of other gods is connected to what's influential. Now, I want you to see uh, some verses in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. I think they'll be on the screen. Behold, Israel after the flesh are, they, are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. What say I then? That the idol is anything. Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, you ready for this? They sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you, would, uh, that you should have fellowship with devils. So the worship of other gods being connected to what's influential, Paul says, Paul says that the idol is actually no thing. Like Baal ain't really a thing. Like Baal ain't really Baal. It's actually fake. It isn't a real thing. So what is Baal? Well, Baal is connected to devils. And Paul's saying, when you're worshiping idols, you're sacrificing to those devils. You are worshiping those idols which are connected to devils. Worship is whatever we deem to be worthy of glory. 
And those demons draw us away. Those demonic pulls, they draw us away. They keep us from serving a living God. And you say, you say here, here, Satan will use a job. Satan will use a boyfriend. Satan will use a girlfriend. Satan will use sports. I know it's hard to believe, but Satan can use hunting. That's the things I like to do. So Satan don't use them as much as he does the things you like to do. I'm just kidding. Satan will use sports. Satan will use, Satan will use fishing. Satan will use vacation. Satan will use all the things. And listen, they'll, it, it, it will draw you away with a satanic seducing spirit into idolatry. And you feel like you're, hey, you're worshiping those things. But what you failed to realize is you haven't given yourself to those things. You've given yourself to devils. It's got a satanic influence to it. And that's why discipleship is so important because it nails down who you're serving and why you're serving him. I think it's interesting how, how uh, Joshua 24 said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. So is it an evil thing to serve the Lord? And then he says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And he gives out this list, you know, whether you're, uh, what, what, uh, whether God your father served on the other side of the flood, the God of the Amorites, or, or, the, or in whose land you dwell. But it's for me and my house will serve the Lord. So, so he's saying, hey, you want to serve the gods you, your father served on the other side of the flood, or the God of the Amorites, or, or the God in whose land you're living in right now. Whoever it is, just choose who you're going to serve. You see, you have the freedom to choose but you ready for this you can't serve both I don't have long to hit this but but but, but, but you ever thought about why money is so powerful like, like for most people it's a God that's worthy to be praised a God that's worthy to be honored a God that's worthy to be worshiped and then Jesus just blows it out of the water and says man don't don't worry about laying up for yourselves treasures upon this earth why well moth and, and rust doth corrupt and thieves they break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also he, he rolls down in verse 24 and he says that no man can serve two masters. And you've you got to make sure you get this, that Jesus understands the pull in our lives to serve money or serve him. And he says you cannot serve God in mammon. Why? Well, because you're going to hate God and you're going to serve mammon or you're going to end up hating mammon and you're going to love God. crazy thing is in Laodicea, most people's trying to prove God wrong. They're trying to prove to God that they can love mammon and love God. Thank God, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know me. I, 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 I'm going I'm to love God and I'm going to love all this money. I'm going to love God and I'm going to love... And how many of you understand it? Don't work like that. He tells Timothy about money and the worship of what it can give him. He said, Timothy, you brought nothing into this world, and it's certain you'll bring nothing out of it. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and in many foolish and hurtful lusts, which men drown in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, ready, is the root of all evil. which while some coveted after, 
they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 17, he says, charge them that are rich in this world, they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. This morning, when I look at the text, I find that there's three things that we need to see about the indecision and the, and the fact that these, these, the, these people in Israel were serving in an obscure way. How many of you understand that you'll never serve God in obscurity? It's actually not a thing to be done. In, in Antioch, they were... Oh, that just happened? Okay. In Antioch, they were first what? Called Christians. Now, do you think they were called Christians because they lived in obscurity? Do you think they were called Christians because they didn't look like Christians? No, friend, they were not serving in a, an obscure way. They were serving in an open way. They were serving in a, in a way that those people inspected their lives and said, oh, they're, they're Christians. There's three things that I think you need to see. Number one, that they are indeed afflicted with a real problem. They're afflicted with a real problem. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions. So they're halted between these two opinions. This word halted is, is, is literally to hesitate or to doubt on whether to proceed. It's almost like they're in a halted, this, this halted state has handicapped them in life and it's crippled them. And this idea of being halted is a crippling idea. It, 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 it's got them in a place to where they're hesitant to act. You know who you don't want going to battle with you? Somebody that's afraid to pull the trigger. I, I mean, if I'm going to war, I, I want somebody that ain't scared to flip the safety off. This is not the kind of people that you want on your side. This is not the kind of people that you build a church with. You can't build a church with people that are hesitant and that have doubt in their mind that, 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 that they're going to follow God. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, a half-committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He's just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough in God to be miserable in the world. That's why James said of this, this, uh, uh, this, this double-minded man that he was unstable in all of his ways. Indecision produces a handicap. It produces a handicap in, in terms of it keeps us bound to a certain place. But make no mistake, they were affected with a, with a real problem. Number two, they made an obscure choice. They made an obscure choice. Look at what he says. But if Baal then follow him and the people answered him, not a word. It's, a, it's obscure because they wouldn't say anything. 
It's, it's obscure because they chose not to say anything. And I want you to make sure you understand this. What them, in them choosing not to say anything, it actually spoke louder than they could have spoken in their lives. Indecision is actually an admission. They didn't, have, they didn't have to stand up and say, hey, we're going with Baal, or hey, we're going with God. Their indecision, their, admit, their answering not a word, it told where they were going to go, who they were going to follow. You ever heard the phrase, silence is consent? This is where they are. They, uh, their silence is actually consented to their idea that they are indeed going to follow Baal. Those that have not made the decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yet they said in a place of answering him not a word, they said all that needs to be said. They don't have to say anything else because they've said all that needs to be said. They, they're, t- they're not totally convinced that God is the one to serve. They're not totally convinced that Baal's the one that they need to serve. And in their silence, they let God know that they're, they're not sold on him being God. And then number three, their, their casual assumption. Their really casual assumption Here is their assumption that it is okay to live undecided. I don't know how many of you in this room probably sat in a church pew for a number of weeks, maybe months, maybe even years before you came to faith in Jesus Christ because you were at a place to where you felt like you had time to make a decision and that it was okay to live undecided. Now, I want you to understand this. I believe hell is full of people that said, I have time to make a decision. I believe that, I, I believe that, that, there, will, that there, will be, there will be people that, that, that burn literally that sat on church music and thought, I, I got time. I got time to make a decision. Now, now here, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to bother you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to see that there is a whole group of people out there that are trying to do what they can to tiptoe around having to make a decision. And, and, the, and the, the, the assumption is that I have time to make it. And I wonder if the dude from Luke chapter number 16 that was like, hey, can, can you go back and tell my brothers, can you go back and tell my brethren not to come to this awful place? I, if you go back and look at it, you'll hear the urgency in his voice and to the tune of, hey, make the decision now. I'm afraid that the judgment seat will be full of people that carry the name of Jesus Christ that wish they would have made a decision to lay their life down for Jesus Christ so many years before. 
that, that would have just said, man, you know, I, I, I should have thrown in the towel way before. I don't know if you know this or not, but man, we don't got long anyway. We don't got long to play the game. We don't have long enough to be playing the game and standing there with our arms folded and answering him not a word. Now I want you to look, look at Elijah's heart for the people. Verse 37, he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me. Elijah's not fed up with the people. He wants the people to see something. He says that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou has turned their heart back again. Now, when I, when I looked at verse number 38, the Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Verse 39, the Bible said, When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now, now, why is that so important? Well, the, 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 what, what's really interesting today is, as Elijah prays, He's praying that the people will know, even in their indecision. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I was Elijah, I'd be like, Lord, if you want to let that fire fall on these fools right now, just go ahead and do it. Look at them over there. You've been good to them. You, you let them do this. You let them live. You let them do all this stuff. And, 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 and I, I, but Elijah's heart for the people is, let them know that you're God. And so instead of the fire falling on the people, look what the fire falls on. The fire falls on the sacrifice. Those who were undecided in the middle... It's who that fire should have fell on that day. But in God's mercy, God let the fire fall on the sacrifice. You know what happened at Calvary? You know what happened at the cross? The fire fell on the sacrifice when it should have fell. On us. And so I ask you, what more do you need to fully surrender? What more do you need that the judgment of God wouldn't fall on you in your sin than to see a thrice holy God hanging between the heavens and the earth on a cross naked before all of men and the judgment of God fall on a perfect sinless sacrifice when it should have fell on me? And this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. Now the choice is yours. And there's a lot of people in this room that I know love Jesus Christ and are serving the Lord. A lot of people. I, I know it. I, I, I see it. 
I, 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 man, I, again, I, listen, I probably brought a message to preach to the choir this morning. I come in here this morning, this place is, is, is getting with it, and you're, you're, you're loving Jesus Christ, and, and, and we just got done hearing some of the greatest preaching. I mean, I mean, Code and Troy, man, they just killed it this week, and praise the Lord for it. And I come in here, and you're like, man, you're, you're dead. But here, here's, here's what I'm going to ask you. There could be some, some little old pockets and some veins in your life that will cause you, if you're not careful, it'll cause you what preached on it, it'll cause you to slip. It'll cause you to slip and, and you're halting between those two opinions. Maybe a pet sin that you won't let go of. Maybe a secret sin that you won't let go of. Maybe something in your life that you ain't told nobody else about that you've just hid and you've got it in the backdrop and you've got, well, that's just my personality or it's just how I am. Maybe you got some hate in your heart. Maybe you got some anger towards another brother, towards another sister. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? Because see, the the fire should have fell on you. Fire should have fell on me. How long are, are we going to let our children see the indecisiveness, indecisiveness in our own life is actually an admission that we aren't totally convinced that Jesus Christ is worth laying our life down for? Man, I say it all the time. If your kids wonder if you're going to church on Sunday, they know that you have a problem with indecision on whether or not Jesus Christ is really worthy or not. How long are, are, are you going to assume that you have time to stand in the middle? If we could, we'll, we'll get the singers back. How long are, are you going to stand in the middle? You say, well, man, I, I got so much going in the right direction. I, man, I've only been here a year, and you just keep plugging away at this thing. Listen, I remember what it was like only being in church a year and hearing some old crouchy preacher get up and say the same thing. I'm like, man, that dude is relentless. Like, he just will not shut up about this serving Jesus thing. Like, is, is me not being here? Is me not, like, I'm here. I love Jesus. Like, what, what is the deal? He's wanting me to give up everything in my life. Man, my heart is like Elijah's heart that day. The judgment seat's going to be better. There's a lot of you in this room is going to raise kids and they're, they're, you're going to raise kids for the glory of God. You know the one thing, man, I, I'm going to tell you, dude, I absolutely love watching your kids serve the Lord. Like you can ask my wife, there ain't no, it don't do, there's nothing any greater to me than watching another pastor's kids serve the Lord. Man, the best kids serving the Lord, there's, I'm telling you, there, if I can die and my kids serve the Lord and nothing else happen in my life, I will feel like a total success. You say, why? Because I know a lot of preacher's kids that can't even find the front door of a church. You know what I think it was? I think that part of it is an indecisive place in, in, in our lives that our kids see. 
And they got a hesitation or a doubt that God is really worth it. Maybe this morning, I don't know, maybe this morning some of us in here, we're at a crossroads right now. You're in just enough to look in and you're out just enough to where God's calling you back in. You're, 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 you're in, but you got that thing, you got that one deal that you're like, man, I just can't let go of this. I'm, I'm, I just can't do this. I just can't do that. Maybe it's missions. Maybe it's planting churches. Maybe it's, maybe it's discipleship. Maybe it's, I don't know what it could be, but there's this one thing and you're like, I, I'll do all this, but God, I, I, I just can't do this. Let, let me help you right here. If you'll just say yes, God will work out the details. If you'll just say yes. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a, and you can probably tell, I'm the, I'm the high school dropout, and I don't advocate that. I'm not saying that like I'm proud of it. My wife made me go back and get my GED. I had a job. I was making money. She's like, hey, look, my mama said I can't date you if you don't go back and get your GED. And she was plenty good looking enough for me to go back and get my GED. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not the overwhelming, like there's a, there, there's a ton of smart folks in this place. I'm not that guy, but here's what I am. I'm the dude that took enough steps in the right direction to where I said, Lord, I don't know. Amen. And just took another one. And in all of my ignorance, God's like, all right. Well, there's one thing. He ain't got a whole lot of smarts, but he does got one thing. He, I feel like he feels like I'm going to take care of him. Just say yes and trust God for the details. Don't matter where it's at. Y'all are going to have to plan another church here for too long. Just say yes and trust the Lord for the details. Where is it going to be? Who knows? Who cares? Jesus is coming back. Let's decide today. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do, and thank you for being faithful to us. God, you're way better to us than we deserve. And God, I pray this morning... Lord, if there's any decisions in this room, I'm sure there is, but Lord, if there's any this morning that are in a place to where they're super pivotal, just like mine were, God, I pray that you give them that space to repent this morning and make the decision that needs to be made. Lord, thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for using circumstances to offer us a merciful spot of repentance. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.